G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. International aid agency Tear Fund Australia is stepping up their humanitarian aid in Afghanistan. Tear Fund Australia has been working with its partners on the ground in Afghanistan for the past 40 years and will continue to deliver their life-saving aid to people affected by the worsening humanitarian situation there. The rise of the Taliban comes on top of chronic drought, food insecurity and widespread poverty. Hundreds of thousands of Afghans have been forced from their homes and communities and there are increased levels of vulnerability for people across the country. Matthew Morey is CEO of the International Aid Agency and Christian charity Tear Fund in Australia. Matthew, welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much. It's good to be here again. Uh, Matthew, disturbing and heartbreaking images coming out of Afghanistan right now as to what's going on. Uh, What are your impressions? Yeah, uh, as you say, disturbing and troubling. Uh, and I think even as I look at it, and we've we've worked, as you said, in the introduction in Afghanistan for something around 40 years. Um, but the the scene that we're seeing now seems like it's really gone to a new level of crisis. Um, and it's and as you mentioned, it's just a layering of challenges on top of challenges. So COVID-19, of course, is creating complexity everywhere in the world. But Afghanistan was already facing challenges of food security because of drought. Um, and then you put on top of that this um, the conflict and the change in government and all the insecurity um, and instability that's created. So just layer upon layer upon layer of complexity has created really quite a dire situation for the for the Afghan people. How many people can you describe for us who might be vulnerable or in need of aid right now uh, post the fall of Afghanistan? Yeah, I mean, the numbers are pretty staggering. Uh, I mean, and numbers become quite meaningless, but it because they're so large, it's something close to 18 million people they're saying are facing food insecurity. So something around one in three of the entire population. Um, and notable in that is that about 75% of that overall number is women and children in particular. So they're facing, they're, they're the most vulnerable in this context. Um, so it's true across the country. Um, we know from reports we've had from our partners that the cities, um, particularly as the conflict was increasing, were fa- finding more and more displaced people migrating to the cities for safety and security. Um, so that on top, the displacement on top of the existing food insecurity has, has made so many of the people impacted. We might imagine that given Tear Fund has been working in Afghanistan for 40 years, uh, that uh, even if we were reflecting on the last 20 uh, with war situations going on, uh, that there must have been very dramatic things uh, just in the way that you would deliver any aid. How are things going to change, do you anticipate, uh, now that uh, Taliban's in charge and there are some challenging times with meeting all of these needs? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, And certainly the last 20 years and even the last 40 years have seen different 
types of conflict and different types of challenges because originally, of course, the Russian occupation and the conflict there and then the Taliban the first time they came through and then the last 20 years um, all have been tumultuous, all have created challenges uh, and having to really think carefully about how we work in ways that actually are bringing, hopefully bringing about lasting change and, and sowing seeds not just of development, but really sowing seeds of peace. So how do you break these cycles of violence and how do you work in new ways? Um, I mean, the current context, uh, because the government, the Taliban government is still being formed and they're still figuring out exactly how they're going to operate. And there's a lot of question marks. You know, we've heard them make statements in the news that they're not going to rule like the Taliban did the first time they came through and that there are going to be more rights for women and they're not going to crack down as they had before. Um, but all of this remains to be seen because it is still early days. And uh, talking to one of our partners just yesterday, they said um, they're just even at the beginning stages of negotiating what are organizations like um, humanitarian organizations going to be allowed to do? Where will they be allowed to operate? How can they operate peacefully? Uh, and in addition to that, the other thing that's made some made it challenging over the last couple of weeks is the bank accounts of the banks have basically stopped. The banking system has been um, frozen. It's a complicated dynamic, but a lot of the accounts are tied to resources outside of the country. And so it's difficult to move money. So even just paying salaries or, you know, being able to have the resources to buy the humanitarian goods that we, you know, the food, the food that would be distributed or other assistance, um, we're going to need to wait till the banks get unfrozen. And um, we will all have seen the scenes of people being evacuated from the airports. Uh, and commercial flights have not resumed yet. So that's the other thing that we're waiting on to see, because commercial flights will um, be one of the ways that we're able to get aid and assistance into the country. So there's there's several pieces that need to fall into place. And our hope is, you know, day by day, I think the picture is becoming a little bit more clear. Uh, and our hope is that perhaps by early as next week, uh, we'll be in a position for our partners to actually start to do some of the work on the ground. Right now, what they can do is, in addition to negotiating with the new government and figuring out what's going to be allowed and how they can work, they're also starting to do the, the needs assessments and talk to the communities and really figure out how can they best be positioned so that when the, re so when the, the, uh, the situation changes and they can start working, they'll be immediately ready to hit the ground. The Taliban themselves, and uh, you may or may not be able to uh, give us insight here, but are they in general welcoming of international aid or are there some conditions? How does that all work? That's exactly what we're trying to work out right now. They have said to the humanitarian uh, community that they are, they want them to continue to work in several of the provinces where our partners have um, operations historically, we've they the local Taliban have said leaders have told them that they would like them to continue working and to restart as soon as possible. Uh, but there's a lot of the practical questions that I mentioned that still haven't been spelled out as to what's going to be allowed and how how can we ensure security and safety when they're doing those things and making sure that the programs um, really get to the people who are most in need. So it's still early days. I mean, we're hopeful that the initial rhetoric will be what is followed through with um, because the humanitarian crisis is, is so significant. Um, but we're just taking it day by day and seeing how does the, the political rhetoric match up with what's actually going to happen on the ground. And the other thing to keep in mind in Afghanistan, and I suppose this is true in any country where we work, um, 
one there may be one story in the capital city and things may be very different out in the more remote areas or in the provinces and that's also been our history in afghanistan that you need to find out what are the ways of working in the rules and what's acceptable in the provinces um, and not just what's agreed at the national level so all of these things are what are being navigated right now It may be all very well to talk about 18 million people in need of some level of aid right now and uh, the idea that there might be hundreds of thousands of Afghans forced from their homes and communities. Uh, Knowing that you work with partners on the ground in Afghanistan, I wonder how are your partners faring under all of this? Because you've got to have a a good, sound and solid partnership workforce to be able to deliver aid. How are your people doing, Matthew? That's all right. It's a great question. Uh, And, you know, the the change in government happened so quickly. The projections that many uh, of the strategists had put together was that it would take 18 months for the government to really transition as the foreign troops had left. And, of course, it happened not in months but in days uh, and that meant that all of our partners who had plans in place for a change um, were all of a sudden put into fast forward. Um, so their initial focus in the first couple of weeks has been around how do we make sure our staff are safe and people are secure. Uh, and and that has been the primary focus for the first couple of weeks. Um, to this point, we've been encouraged to hear that people are doing well. Um, but they're each of them with their own situation is figuring out, you know, what can they do? And, and of course, the big question that uh, I've already alluded to is, you know, what will be, what will be allowed in terms of women continuing to work, um, and, and organizations like our partners. Sometimes we think of humanitarian workers putting food into hungry tummies and uh, the images of children come to mind, but uh, the work of humanitarian aid goes a little deeper than that. Uh, Maternal needs, mental health, education, hygiene and sanitation, uh, these are the sorts of things you've got some feelers out to be able to look out for those sorts of challenges and those needs? That's right. I mean, whenever we are involved in a humanitarian response. The the goal is to go into that humanitarian response, not just with how do we address the initial concern of, of people who might be in need of food, um, really with a longer-term view of how do we address these issues, as I said, the underlying issues of COVID-19 and so thus, thus the health implications and how do we work with farmers who have been facing drought to look at different ways of doing agriculture and making sure that there's some sustainable solutions. So often in these crises, the initial work is actually just to save people's lives and get food in their stomachs and make sure they're getting the care they need. But the longer-term vision is how do we do this in a way that uh, that, that builds longer-term development outcomes and and there's some sustainability around that. And as you mentioned, um, that's been the focus of our work over the last 40 years. And our hope is that those are the foundations that still remain in many of these communities and that we can continue to build upon as things stabilize. An organization like yours and a 40-year history in Afghanistan, uh, working in areas of diplomacy, uh, advocacy for you know, the peace issues, uh, stability, uh, no doubt you're back to square one with the Taliban taking power. But uh, are there people on the ground who've got capacity to speak into any of those situations for the future? I think one of the things that stri- I, my hope is, yes, my one of the things that struck me, I had the privilege of visiting our work in Afghanistan a few years ago. And what what I came away with was. Um, the fact that, and this is true in so many places that we visit and, and that we work, um, as I met the communities, as I met the families that were involved in our program, 
Arabs um, was that, you know, their, their hope and their vision is for peace um, and for schools that their kids can go to and for jobs, you know, that can provide a future and a better life for their, for their families. Uh, and I think the risk is sometimes we look at these, um, we get the media pictures and we think of Afghanistan as this complex and difficult place. And it's almost easy to turn away or to put it into the too hard basket. Um, but having met those families, that's, that's where my hope is. Um, knowing that there's a nation of people who really want peace and they want security. Um, and I believe that's what the future will hold. Um, there may be some continued difficult days ahead, but I think it's that foundation that, that hopefully can be built upon. Well, I do want to mention you have an Afghanistan emergency appeal that's happening right now and uh, really appreciate your update. Give us a, an extra level of information as to what's going on in Afghanistan now that the Taliban has that rule. Let me give the website for listeners who might like to support the Afghanistan emergency appeal that's being organised by Tier Fund in Australia. It's tier.org.au t-e-a-r.org.au uh, no doubt there are many needs and uh, you probably can't outgive uh, those needs right now t-e-a-r.org.au Matthew Morrie is the CEO of the International Aid Agency and Christian Charity Tier Fund in Australia Matthew thanks so much for the update today on 2020 thanks for giving me the chance to share Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.